Welcome to episode 57 of George's Random Astronomical Object. This podcast now has as many episodes as there are varieties of whatever it is that the Heinz Company sells, like ketchup and mayonnaise and mustard. Anyway, every episode I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So, I will now run the random number generator. And the random number generator has returned the coordinates of 5 hours, 42 minutes, 36.1 seconds right ascension, and plus 49 degrees, 51 minutes, 7 seconds declination. These coordinates point to the object 3C147 in the constellation Auriga. I'll start by saying that this object is a quasar. And it's not interesting just because it's a quasar. It's actually one of the first two objects ever called a quasar, sort of. So it's somewhat important in the history of astronomy. But first, let me describe what quasars are. Quasars are a subset of galaxies that contain active galactic nuclei. An active galactic nucleus contains a supermassive black hole that is millions or billions of times more massive than the sun, a disk of gas that is falling into that black hole, and jets of ionized gas that emerge from above the poles of the black hole. The gas in these jets doesn't originate from the black hole itself, but instead from the gas disk. As the gas approaches the black hole, it gets gravitationally compressed, which causes it to get very hot and very high in pressure. This, in turn, causes it to expand out of the disk. The magnetic fields around the black hole carry the gas outwards towards the poles of the black hole. This gas can potentially fly away from the central black hole at speeds close to the speed of light, and can potentially travel outside the galaxy hosting the active galactic nucleus. Astronomers have many different labels for active galactic nuclei. Things labeled as quasars are generally very bright, as seen in many different parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, but they are also very far away. The jets from quasars, as seen from Earth, appear generally close to along our line of sight. When the jets are pointed perpendicular to the direction in which we see the objects, astronomers call the objects radio galaxies, in large part because these jets of gas produce large amounts of radio waves. Anyway, let's get back to the history of quasars, and the history of the quasar 3C147. This object was originally discovered in 1953 by R. Henry Brown and Cyril Hazard in a survey of radio emission of part of the northern sky. Radio astronomy was still very new in the 1950s, so just detecting radio emission from the sky was really exciting. Interestingly, this survey also detected radio emission from the Andromeda Galaxy, the Whirlpool Galaxy, and the Spiral Galaxy NGC 891, which, as you would know if you've listened to episode 42, always causes laughter at professional astronomy conferences. <laughs> Aside from this, I find it fascinating that 3C147 was discovered at Jodrell Bank, which I am currently affiliated with, although I don't actually work at the observatory site. 
While astronomers in the 1950s could easily associate radio wave emission from some parts of the sky with either nearby galaxies or objects within our own galaxy, they had difficulty figuring out what was happening with radio wave emission from other parts of the sky. This, however, did not stop people from mapping all of the bright radio wave sources in the sky. And starting in 1950, some astronomers at Cambridge University put together a catalog of these sources, later called the First Cambridge Catalog. After this, astronomers at Cambridge continued to periodically publish catalogs of radio sources, much in the same way that Universal Studios periodically releases movies in the Fast and Furious franchise. But the third reference catalog is the most famous of all of these radio source catalogs, which would somehow be like if Tokyo Drift was the best Fast and Furious movie. Objects from the third reference catalog are often given the label 3C, 3C-147 got its name because it's the 147th radio source listed in the 3C catalog. Although astronomers spent a lot of time making lists of radio sources, by the year 1960, they still did not have a good idea as to what some of these objects were. When astronomers looked at the photographic plates corresponding to the positions of some of the 3C sources, they found that the radio emission was associated with what looked like blue stars, which was confusing for multiple reasons. First of all, individual stars are generally not very strong sources of radio emission, so it was odd that some blue stars produce lots of radio waves. Second, it was weird that many of the blue stars associated with radio emission look slightly fuzzy. Some of the objects even seem to have small, narrow extensions of light coming out of their centers. To try and make sense of these objects, Martin Schmidt performed some observations in the early 1960s where he made some spectra of the visible light from these stars. Spectra in astronomy are very useful because individual atoms will absorb or emit light at very specific wavelengths, so astronomers can use spectra to identify which elements and molecules are present either in the atmospheres of stars or in interstellar space. What was very confusing, though, was that the spectra from these radio sources didn't seem to correspond to any elements or molecules from Earth or anywhere else in space. However, in 1963, Martin Schmidt had a breakthrough in his observations of the radio source 3C273, where he figured out that he was looking at hydrogen that was really, really redshifted compared to the galaxies that astronomers in the early 1960s were used to looking at. Because of the expansion of the universe, Objects that are further from the Milky Way appear to be moving faster than objects that are closer. So at the time, 3C273 was the most distant galaxy in the sky that anybody knew about. However, Martin Schmidt did not stop with just 3C273. He made a few more observations of other weird radio sources to prove that they too were actually very distant galaxies, and it was in his science paper published in 1964 about the objects 3C47 and 3C147 where he first used the term quasi-stellar radio source, because the objects looked sort of like stars but actually were very distant galaxies that contained very bright radio sources. Later in 1964, this term was shortened to Quasar by Hongyi Chu in an article in the magazine Physics Today, presumably because he did not want to keep on typing quasi-stellar radio source on his 1960s-era typewriter. The name stuck. So, 3C147 was sort of one of the first two objects explicitly called a quasar, which places 3C147 in an interesting place in the history of astronomy. By the way, 3C147 has recently been measured to be moving away from the Earth at a speed of about 0.41 times the speed of light, which is actually very close to what Martin Schmidt measured in 1964. 
This means that all of the wavelengths of light from 3C147 as observed from Earth appear 55% longer than when they were emitted by the quasar. Also, this redshift places the quasar at a distance of roughly 6.7 billion light-years, or 2100 megaparsecs. Since Martin Schmidt's 1964 paper, 3C147 has been a very popular object to observe with radio telescopes because it is such a bright but small radio source. In fact, it's a popular target to observe with what's called very long baseline interferometry. I'm not going to discuss what this term means, but it basically involves using radio antennae that are spread over really long distances to image really small things. So, for example, the antennae could be spread across England, or across the United States, including Hawaii and the Virgin Islands, or even across the whole of Europe. Most radio sources in the sky are too extended or too faint for very long baseline interferometry to work, but 3C147 is so bright and so compact that the radio waves can be imaged using this technique. When astronomers have observed 3C147 using very long baseline interferometry, they see a jet of gas that appears to extend about 4,800 light-years, or 1.4 kiloparsecs, from the center of the galaxy where the supermassive black hole is located. Although since we are seeing this jet of gas angle towards us, it may actually be longer. Just to remind you, this jet comes from gas that gets too hot as it falls into the central black hole and gets redirected by magnetic fields away from the surface of the black hole. Located at the center of the quasar is something that sort of looks cone-shaped, with a bright blob in the center and a fainter blob near the tip of the cone. The fainter blob might actually be from an area around the black hole, although astronomers are still trying to determine if that's actually the case. The other interesting thing about 3C147 is that it is used to calibrate radio telescope observations so that astronomers can convert the electronic signal from these telescopes to physical units of measurement that describe how much energy is coming from objects in the sky. This process is called amplitude calibration, or flux calibration. 3C147 is not necessarily astronomers' first choice for radio flux calibration because its brightness is variable. These variations probably come from changes in the rate at which gas in 3C147 is ejected into the active galactic nucleus as jets. Nonetheless, careful comparisons of 3C147 to other objects that do not vary in brightness have allowed astronomers to develop mathematical equations for accurately calculating the amount of radio emission from 3C147, and these days 3C147 is very useful for flux calibrating radio astronomy observations. So, this discussion about 3C147 has included supermassive black holes, thin diesel films, radio waves, the expansion of the universe, mid-20th century office equipment, and people named Hazard. But we can also add the location of the Earth's surface that corresponds to the position of 3C147 in the sky. And that location is a mountain within the Altai mountain range lying within Russia near the border with eastern Kazakhstan. The Altai Mountains cover an area where the borders of Russia, Kazakhstan, China, and Mongolia come together, and they are a fascinating wilderness that is home to many rare Asiatic alpine plants and animals, including the ibex and the snow leopard. If you are prepared to travel far from civilization and trek into the wilderness, then this might be the place for you to visit. So that wraps up my discussion of 3C147. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can visit the website for this podcast at www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can go to the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback.
You can also find this podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesounds Project at www.freesounds.org. Thanks for listening.